Welcome to New Human Living Radio Show, bringing you powerful interviews to awaken the power in you. Learn more at newhumanliving.com. And now your host, Les Jensen. So a, a drop of water hits your windshield. No big deal. Maybe a couple. Maybe it starts to rain. This is like the introduction of a change. And uh, change, change, oh my God, if there's any constant in the world (laughs) over the last year and a half, it has been just that, um, immense change. But there was a an event in 2013. I was living in Boulder, Colorado at the time, and it uh, those drops of water increased, increased, and it it felt like it wouldn't ever stop. And it turned out to be quite an event. We got 21 inches of rain in three days. Those drops of water over time metaphorically pushed us all up against the wall. Uh, I found it a very fascinating event because during the, the last few days of those three days, everybody, and I mean everybody, had one thought, had one narrative. When will the water stop rising? For myself, it came up about halfway through my garage. My living room was probably less than a foot from flooding. When you go to go to bed at night, you'd think maybe I should take stuff upstairs, get it off the floor, because if I come down in the morning and the and the ground floor is flooded, I don't want my stuff to get ruined. I mean, the the water pulled us all, all. It didn't matter who you were. It erased any differences, and we all had one thought. When will this water stop? And the day after, the first day after the rain, I walked through um, Boulder from one side to the other and back. I walked through the neighborhoods. I stayed off the main streets. And here's people out in the driveway, and there's a a wedding dress that's covered in mud, and there's picture picture albums that are covered in mud, and they're, they're splaying all their treasures out on the garage, out on the driveway, so the sun can dry it out. For the most case, uh, ruined. And... Uh, There was no hysteria. I didn't see anybody bawling their head off, but there was there was there was something to it that it took me a while to put my finger on, and it was like um, a coherence. It was like everyone was in the same mindset. Everyone was. I don't know if the word in tune with each other would be right. And and in the following days, the the peace was palatable. It was very odd that that peace was a result of 
of flood. And that first morning after, we were all kind of bound the night before to a single narrative. And that first morning after, we all took that very first step back into whatever narrative we were going to put on for ourselves. Maybe we picked up the old narrative, but we all took the very first step in step with everyone else. Everybody took their first steps to rebuilding, reclaiming their normal. And there was a, a... a really deep sense of connection that we had all gone through this common event. And I say this because, boy, howdy, that was just, that was just a community. But what has really been unheard of, perhaps, in the entire history of the planet, I suggest, is 2020. The whole world's cart, both individually and collectively, all our carts got tipped over. All our narratives got turned on their heads. Globally, it seems like we've been through a karmic tsunami, so to speak, globally. And now in 2021, there's there's inklings of that virgin step, that virgin that new sun, that new day, that new opportunity. And 2019 isn't on the table anymore. It just isn't. The transformation of of the collective consciousness and for millions and perhaps billions of people, the individual consciousness of 2019 could not be reconstructed if we wanted to. I'm pretty sure that wouldn't serve us. The the knocking us collectively on our ass has done a very good thing because there there is so many ways our narrative, the the narrative of planet Earth in 2019, it had a whole lot of incongruency with itself. The humanity is. Humanity as a whole had a lot of uh, deep, dark secrets, a lot of pain and suffering, and the the mainstream was not connected to that at all. We had many, many different personalities playing out, and there wasn't a way for us to, there wasn't anything in our narrative that suggested that we would be able to resolve it, 2019 didn't have any part of its narrative as the healing of humanity. But in 2021, if I were to say the healing of humanity, people would kind of connect with that and say, yeah, we've got some healing to do. And as the veil gets pulled away and as the turmoil, the chaos, the the waves of change keep rippling through ourselves and rippling through the collective, that's a raw, that's a fresh opportunity to discover incongruencies within ourselves and within the collective. So I suggest to you, dream your best dream. 
In other words, what kind of a narrative do you want to start up? You've kind of got a clean slate of sorts because the old 2019 narrative is washed away and you can't get it back. Those pages have fallen into the wind. And and you sit before you now in, in this moment the ability to choose a completely new, a completely different narrative that might be more congruent, that might be more authentic, that might be more nurturing and empowering for yourself. How would that feel? Could you dream a powerful dream for yourself and then see yourself manifesting it, see yourself creating it? I suggest that's exactly the art of of embodying heaven on earth. Um, by our very nature, we're very powerful beings. I don't want to get carried away in monologue because I think we've got a great, fantastic show for you tonight. The topic tonight is relaxing into the journey creates the happiness you seek. And our guest tonight is Billy Atwell. Billy's going to discuss how when you stop resisting the flow of life and when you let go of how things, quote, should be, unquote, your fear and conjective pain dissipates, allowing you to see the happiness you seek. Our guest, Billy, is the host of the Unshakable Self-Confidence Podcast, and I was so fortunate to be a guest on his show not that long ago. Since 2016, Billy and his guests continue to help over 24,000 subscribers get to the root of their self-doubt, overcome their painful past, and to transform into confident individuals through weekly conversations of sharing personal experiences and insights on this top-ranking Apple podcast. He's the editor-in-chief of the Rising Phoenix magazine, a free official monthly magazine of unshakable self-confidence containing articles and practical tips for the subscribers to implement with topics ranging from positive affirmations to gratitude practices. In addition, Billy is the author of the book, Unshakable Self-Confidence, A Clear Path to Confidence. Join me in welcoming Billy to the show. Billy, you're finally on the show. Welcome. (laughs) Uh, Thank you so much. It's so awesome to be able to to have another conversation with you. I've been so excited since you invited me, so (laughs) thank you for having me. Well, throw the reins down on the galloping horses and pull out the six shooters and, and pop off a few rounds because um, we've, we've, we've totally obliterated any boundaries to where this can go. And, and I know you've got quite the, uh, uh, the narrative of your life has had challenges of its own. Can you, can we start off by just learning about what brought you to writing books and hosting podcasts? Um, what what has your um, your path looked like to bring you to this? 
Yeah, you know, Les, I always say, like, my journey into conscious awareness, um, specifically those discovering those underlying patterns that control our behavior until we realize that we're being controlled by programming, um, started, oh, my gosh, back in 2012. It was at the end of my second abusive relationship. I started to notice some patterns with my partner and I started to stand up against uh, those behavior patterns. I started to be much more vocal after being in an abusive relationship, my first relationship for 15 years with a very sort of violent alcoholic. And so uh, about nine months into this relationship, um, I kind of said, I'm I'm not going to tolerate this. And literally almost immediately on that confrontation after saying, this is done, I need you out. I was shoved up against the wall and almost strangled to death. And I had this sort of out of body experience where I, it was very surrealist. I mean, it's kind of hard to describe, but it, and I don't think out of body, I'm just in my body, but I was very detached from that experience and kind of seeing it. And then all of a sudden I got, sucked back in because I knew I really that I had to be I had to protect myself because I was going to die and so after that situation you know that sort of catalytic moment I kind of asked how did I get here again you know because the distance between the two relationships was um, a good four years and I thought I had accomplished stuff you know I started to accomplish those goals I, I wanted to be a competitive rower, but, you know, my first partner, he was always like, that's stupid. I mean, why would you want to do that? So I did that. I accomplished that. And, you know, but this is what I'm talking about. There's these underlying behavioral patterns that we adopt uh, in our childhood. And mine turned out to be a narrative that I didn't realize that being raised by five generations of women who were all in abusive relationships uh, were very violent. Uh, partners, very, you know, husbands in their cases had been passed down. And so that's what I've discovered. But it just started with the question of how did I get here again? And uh, a friend of mine, she gave me a copy of Joyce Meyer's uh, Battlefield of the Mind. And this is where the first time I heard anything about your belief structure causes your reality, your thoughts about yourself causes your experiences in life. And as you can imagine, that was not exactly what I wanted to hear at the moment, <laughs> you know, but, um, you know, especially after, you know, just two weeks out after almost, you know, going through that pretty traumatic situation. But nonetheless, that, that's where it started. And then books just started floating towards my way that um, developed into my awareness that, and this is, of course, this is not just a, a Christian principle, uh, Christianity principle, but it's through all major practices is that you become what you think about. And so it's just been a constant journey of learning that on a deeper level and then actually implementing that and getting better at it uh, for what I guess it's been nine years now. So that's, wow. that's pretty much it. And then 2016, you know, still early on in my journey, I started to, my show originally called was Fear Not, and I just started interviewing people about fear and 
uh, I mean, I, I got to uh, interview like Mark Waldman and Andrew Newberg, you know, who are neuroscientists. And I had the privilege of having Professor Bruce Lipton in my show who talked about we're shaped by our environments and not our, gen, you know, our, our genetic structure. And so I just did kind of what I did best, which was I started researching um, and try to figure out an answer to the my question of how did I get here again? And it's just been an onward going process of a journey. So, well, the the idea that perhaps your soul chose um, that kind of a challenging environment for you to be born into five generations of of caustic relationships, and uh, and then you said there was a gap between your your two difficult relationships with with enough time for you to get a sense of a footing in your life and yet the second relationship kind of takes you back into that same narrative how do you how do you um discover how do you unravel um, these mechanisms that create such a repetitive pattern. It's almost like, I don't know, like sprinkling flour on the kitchen floor to see if you've been sleepwalking. I mean, <laughs> if the pattern shows up and in your conscious mind you want none of it, but yet here it is again, what what were some of the ways that you discovered this um, undercurrent narrative that was playing out in your relationships? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, you know, I, um, I have a very unique journey, and I don't mean like special or better, but just um, especially now, right, it's, it's, this is a very popular topic, especially when it comes to like childhood trauma and, and the, the stress that comes with that. I mean, it's just it's a buzzword right now, right? So, but you know, nine years ago, uh, I was kind of on my own. And I mean, I really had to read books and I've read a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of books, even before I started the podcast and started conducting interviews. So it was all trial and error for me. I mean, I had to like read books and then kind of read enough books to see the underlying pattern and what the message was about, uh, the subconscious, you know, we have the conscious mind and, uh, sort of, you know, is the barrier and the subconscious mind uh, accepts anything that you feed it, whether good or bad, because it's indifferent. Um, and then I started to see that message in Buddhism and Christianity about whatever you wish. I said, before you life and death, now choose, you know, this concept. And then first I had to see enough of it in not just Christian texts, but in everywhere for me to even sort of maybe think that there was something to it. And then I had to start putting it into practice. And it was a long, not going to lie, painful journey of trial and error and trying to figure it out and trying to find out um, the common denominator uh, and, and, and to do that. And then, you know, then I just sort of discovered that it was from these, what I kind of called the inherited negative self image root or like when we talked about when you're on my show those ancestral karmic patterns that we get that sort of we get passed down like professor bruce lipton said we are shaped by our environments um 
and then figuring out how to get rid of that. And one of the more influential books at that time in my life was Psycho-Cybernetics by Maxwell Maltz, um, which technically he was sort of a new thought Christian, and this book came out in 1960, but it was also the time when um, neuroplasticity was really started coming into its own and the concept that our thoughts are tangible objects within our brain and those neural pathways, and we can create new pathways by repeating thoughts of our choices. And kind of like you were saying before, when we were talking back in the green room, when I was studying acting and had developed a conscious relationship with an individual that didn't exist outside of paper, but it was very real and tangible. That's kind of what I mean is in what I discovered is like our subconscious has no idea between what's real and what's false. And it'll believe anything that you say and you can create very much like you were saying in your monologue, we can create our own narrative and we've been sort of shaken out of our inequity and we're free to create because we are creators in this world. And so, you know, it just was, again, it was just a process of reading and experimenting and using myself as a guinea pig and trying to figure out what worked and what didn't work, what was, what was real and what was just, stuff that you know snake oil merchants were trying to sell me for a buck and sorting and sifting and um being a researcher and a scientist really about it right well the you, you mentioned neuroplasticity of our of our mind and and when we're born, we're like this clean slate. I mean, babies don't have a symbol table. They don't have language or any kind of a structure going in. They don't have an ego to even run that stuff on. And the, I always like to look at the the family of origin because um, or it's not always in the nicest environment. So maybe the environment of origin, because our, typically our parents teach us, this is a chair, this is a door, this is a Bible, this is a, this is good, this is bad. And, and after they define the symbols, they assign value. And I think this is just over the top huge when we're assigned the value of what's important and automatically what's not important. And so you talk about the neuroplasticity as you were raised in this caustic environment, your whole thought process, your whole um, conscious awareness, so to speak, is, is raised and ingrained with this, this toxic environment. And then, you come out of it and, and you're an avid reader and you're looking for the material to set you free. And how do you, how do you anchor a new narrative, a new paradigm? I mean, your podcast, the unshakable self-confidence, how do you grow a narrative out of thin air, so to speak, and then like move into it? and anchor it as your new, your new truth that it, you know, if your thoughts create, you've got to create your thoughts and then really live there and embody them. How, how do you go about doing that? 
Well, I can I can explain the process because it's the same for everyone. I mean, this is kind of what I think where people get confused is it's like they're trying to seek answers and it's really just the same simple answers. Like you have to choose a narrative and then believe in that narrative and repeat that narrative. And as Neville Gardner would teach you, you have to live in that narrative. I mean, that, that's what I've extracted out of Christian text. I mean, I'm not a Christian uh, because Christianity is a lot different than what I've discovered the actual text is, but the text is there and will teach you that you have to live in that future self in order to become that self. You have to believe that and think from it from that perspective. Um, and, you know, I mean, I know, you know, I mean, Gandhi is one of my favorite individuals and a role model for me too. And even he said, it's like, if I uh, have the belief that I can do it, I shall surely acquire the capacity to do it. Even though I may not have it at the beginning, there's this concept of, you have to turn your back on the present reality, uh, you know, this hologram, this kingdom of God that Jesus would call it, or the quantum field. Uh, you know, there's so many names for the same thing, this experience that we're going through. And um, you have to suspend everything that you've learned through the five senses and stay true to the new vision that you want. I mean, one of the best examples uh, in the Bible is the story of Isaac passing the blessing down to his son, you know, uh, Esau uh, and Jacob and the whole narrative. I mean, people mistakenly think of this as secular history, but it is myth. It's a mythological story of teaching you the process. And again, you know, people, as Joseph Campbell would say, they mix, you know, they misconstrue the metaphor for fact. And the concept is, is Isaac, the father is blind. And in Jewish tradition, the older son gets the blessing of the father. And that older son represents your current reality. And what the father does is, is sends him off out to um, technically get some venison uh, because he's passing away. And that means to get rid of, turn your back on the current reality. And then Esau comes in and has disguised himself in sheep's garments to get the hairiness of the first son. And the father says, it sounds like the younger son, but it feels like the older. And that's the whole point is you have to believe in the new narrative in order for it to come to pass. And that takes time to understand because it's not something we're taught, but your imagination creates your reality and you have to believe in that. And so to circle back about how do you do that? You first have to decide on what you want to be and that's your choice. And then you would create some sort of mantra, something that you would repeat constantly because then what you're doing technically from the neuroscientific point of perspective is you're reprogramming your subconscious, which means that you're creating new neural pathways in your brain that when you uh, constantly repeat that thought, you know, the fire wire, you're, it expands in your brain like a root and increases in girth and dimension and what happens is because your brain is a finite space, it'll start to get rid of the old thought process if you don't engage in it to make room for the other. And so what I've discovered is it's, you use spirituality for the sort of technical stuff, and then, then the science sort of backs it up in, in terms of biology and, and real estate. But 
you know, for me personally, I mean, I focused on for years, and that was my mantra was First John four seventeen, which is, as God is, so am I in this world. You know, not everyone has to take that path, but you create your narrative and kind of like I was, we were talking before about and acting and, and creating a narrative and having tangible, real triggering emotions about the loss of a son that I never, ever had just sort of proved that for me. You know, that was my empirical proof that there's something about creating your reality through journaling and meditating and focusing and just repeating, 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 until it becomes reality. You have to believe in it before it comes to pass. Um, and again, we're not taught that, but that doesn't mean that that's not how it's not done. And so I, that's where most people get triggered up is suspending the five senses and everything that they've learned and chucking it out the window for the new narrative, even though the world of five senses will deny it and actually technically try to give you to get up. I mean, this is where fear and doubt come in. And, you know, on a, a much bigger picture, this is all just part of the game that we play as we descend into human form. This is like you were saying, we chose to come through these passageways to learn to forget our divine selves, to go through these challenging things in childhood that program us in order to overcome it, to remember that we are actually divine creators. So... Maybe that was right. a little bit too long, but that's what I've discovered. <laughs> and as short as possible amount that you know, probably, you know, I can I can tell everyone it's like, but that's how you do it. You've got to create your reality and believe in it and just on it because, like Albert Einstein taught us, what you focus on expands. And if you keep thinking about what was, and what has happened, you perpetuate it. You keep perpetuating it, just like my abusive relationships. How did I get in it? Well. I was still repeating that negative narrative that even though I thought I was done with it still was under there causing and attracting abusive relationships. And so you, you have to turn your back on that and allow for the new to take hold and take root and remain faithful to that until it does, until it comes to pass. To, to allow the new to allow the new to come into fruition, to come into experience. So you, we've talked a couple of times in this episode about as an actor, you invented the idea that you had a child out of thin air. You invented the idea of the child. And then to learn the emotion of the part, you invented the notion that this fictitious child died. And after after journaling and whatnot about that, it it became a a, a tangible uh, interject or emotional connection. So many people, many 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 people, will make a vision board and they'll have affirmations and they'll go through this kind of mental genre uh, repetition uh, uh, to create a new narrative. And for many of them even uh, months or years or more afterwards, they're still more or less spinning their wheels as far as um, bringing in what what they desire. What, what's the momentum? What's the, the inertia, if you will, of 
the subconscious element of us. It it seems like the subconscious being below the radar um, has a pretty significant role to play in this, even though we're not conscious of it as a mechanism. Yeah, you know, that that's, I mean, we could take the scientific answer on that, or we could take the esoteric route on that. But, like, you know, like Neville Goddard would teach you, um, your subconscious is your divine, right? This is the concept of, like, the Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 3.16. It's like, do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the spirit of God dwells within you? That subconsciousness is your divine self. It is the portal to connect to the higher self, which is the universal consciousness of all things. Um, and so whether you use visualization boards or positive affirmations, that's the gateway. Uh, again, I can, without, I can only speak to my own experience. It's like, it's a process. And what I've discovered is even all those times when I failed and thought I wasn't making progress, I actually was, you know, and that's kind of right. what we were talking about. You know, the topic of the show is just releasing to the process because we're trying to control, we're trying to determine when the outcome is going to happen. We're trying to be done with it and over with it, as opposed to just allowing the rate of natural growth that is required for each individual based on their experiences. Um, there's a lot of crap that you have to like dig up by the root um, yeah. and get rid of. And that takes time. Um, and so, and what I've discovered in my own journey is like, there's always some underlying negative thought that's still there. Otherwise you would have instantaneous transformation. And so it's just a question of being diligent. And when you are shown actions to take and you don't, well, then you're opening the doors for fear and, and self-doubt and you're killing the progress. You know, it's like Lot's wife. Again, one of my other favorite mythological stories is like, you know, the town um, symbolizes old negative behaviors, right? This is constantly throughout the day. Well, cast off the old nature and put on the new nature. You have to throw off your old mindset and abandon it. And you can't pick it up again, or you're going to get like Lot's wife. When she turned back, she got stuck. She got crystallized. It's a metaphor. You turn your back, leave it where it is and never look back. And that's real freedom. Now it took me a long time to understand that because I kept turning back and forth, but I really don't do that anymore because I understand through trial and effort and lessons until I got it right that that's what the process is is you have to literally give up your ashes you know for a crown of victory you have to be like the phoenix and let it all burn away in order to be renewed and resurrected you have to like again the apostle paul be not conformed to this world but be transformed by the entire renewal of your mind and Buddha says it too. It's not, like I said, it, it, you find this in Hindu texts, you find this in Buddhist texts, you find this in every single practice. It's about transforming your thoughts because in that you transform yourself, you transform your life, and in the ultimate bigger picture, you transform the world. And you don't transform the world, which I know everyone's trying to do these days, by fighting with the world. You go within to find the conflict within yourself and you redeem it, 
and then the world transforms. You are the creator. You are the one who's responsible, not the outside world. And so it's your job to go in and find that within yourself, release it, and redeem it. And then the world transforms. Nice. It's it's almost it's got a hint of that that hero archetype. I mean, if you think of a hero yeah. movie, it'll spend the first twenty minutes conjuring up a villain. I mean, there can't be a hero without a villain, and the the rank and file citizen doesn't have the mental ability to to take on the villain. It's an exceptional consciousness, an exceptional perception, an exceptional possibility of the hero archetype. So we've got about uh, just shy of 20 minutes left. Let's flip it over and look at at happiness, at embodying um, it. Um, what does it look like? How does it feel to get some traction with this? And and put some weight on it and have it sustain you. And as you more fully embody it, as you go through your life. Yeah. So, you know, happiness is a again, it's one of those words that are very popular in the self help industry now. And a lot of people don't even know what it is. And but they'll sell you a product to make you happy. <laughs> and um, you know, which is a whole other probably conversation. But. You know, like even like Titnan Han said, it's like happiness is available right now. Help yourself. Um, right. And what I realize, and you know, and the importance and how you be happy is again, it's quit resisting the stream. Because what I've discovered is, is that in the stream of life, which is the divine itself, we are living in the divine. All, even though we're all individualized and we all look separate, all is one. There's no, there's nothing but the divine and all separation is illusion, but we are hypnotized in this world, like Blake and Shakespeare would teach you. You know, we're wrapped up in the dreams of good and evil, and that, that's, that's, that's part of the problem. And so we cling to the rock of fear and self-doubt, and we resist the current, and we cling to that rock of fear. And so your pain comes from resisting your natural flow of to go with that stream, which means to grow and expand and constantly evolve and never be the same to go from level to level, to growth, to growth, to growth. And when you resist that you are literally internally being pulled and that's where your pain comes from because you're not allowing yourself to be yourself. And when you trust God, as Jesus would tell you, constantly and realize that you are the stream um that you are not the wave that you are the ocean to pull in you know some hindu text um and you let go of that rock and you're gonna let go and you're gonna cling back again and you're gonna let go and you're gonna cling back again until you trust the flow and it's those moments when you let go that's when you experience happiness and then you've got some data of what happiness is. And you're like, wait, it was really good. But then you get afraid and then you hang on to the rock. And it takes some time to let go. And you just gradually build a taste for the happiness. And then you trust it. And then you realize that the fear is causing the pain. And you know what the result of everything you've experienced. And suddenly just said, I've had enough. 
I'm going to trust this no matter where it goes. And then that's what happiness is, is just being yourself. It doesn't mean happiness doesn't come from money. It doesn't come from worldly success. It's just being whoever you were created to be, despite what the world will teach you who you should be, which is you are not this, you're this, you're that, you're stupid, you're unworthy, you're helpless, you're irredeemable, you're a sinner, all this jargon. Um, that's part of the game. You know, don't get caught up in the game. Just realize that it's all an illusion. Go and allow yourself to be your divine creator self, and you'll be free. The truth will set you free. And then you can choose every moment to be happy by letting go of the false narrative, by letting go of fear, by letting go of the image that fear has taught you to be, which is like, you know, to use my example, Billy was helpless. Billy didn't deserve to be anything. And we nail this image of ourselves on the wall and we worship it, you know, the martyr version of ourselves. And you've got to let that go. And then that's when happiness comes, when you throw everything into the flame and just everything that you know is causing you pain, let it go, you know? We don't realize that all that stuff is actually like hot coals and ambers and we're burning ourselves, but we have forgotten that we're burning ourselves. We're living in hell. We have forgotten that we are in hell and we can be in heaven any moment. And that's just by simply remembering that it's just a simple shift in consciousness. Well, if we've been tough with ourselves, like so many people have, where we're our worst critic and we really haven't had any um, lasting experience with um, an easy life or a joyful life or excitement or adventure, whatever. The, the notion that happiness exists all the time, right where we are, how do you have any tips on, on the untrained mind, I mean, to, if somebody really hasn't ever gone looking for happiness, like it's something out there to find, do you have any tips on how to discover the opportunity of happiness in each moment? Well, I think, you know, I think people try to be happy. They try to jump ahead without doing the work. I'm going to be honest. I mean, I think if anyone, you know, my own personal life where I didn't experience happiness, I experienced a lot of suffering, a lot of violence, and yet here I am, right? Right. So first of all, I want to say it can be done. Don't let anyone tell you that it cannot be done and that it's not real. It's just my understanding and what I've discovered from, you know, great wise people like Buddha and like Jesus and like Marcus Aurelius and even Gandhi, um, you have to get to your core identity root first. You, you cannot just be superficial. You can't be a skimmer on it. That's what the world would teach you, you know. But if you get to the root of who you really are and when you know who you are, like, again, going back to the Apostle Paul, you are the temple of God and God dwells within you. And as God is, so am I in this world. When you meditate on that, you're going to get a revelation on it and you're going to realize, well, well, if I'm the divine manifested, then why am I, excuse me for saying it, why am I being a pussy? You know, why am I so afraid? 
well, that's because the world has told me. Well, then, then you have to make a decision. Are you going to conform to the world or are you going to be transformed by the renewal of your mind, by remembering who you are, right? And we can pull up my game here, you know, remember who you are. Going back to what you're saying, it's all the hero's journey. And you have to remember that you are on the hero's journey and that the villain actually isn't the world or anything outside of the world. It's that ego that we have been living from because, like you said, we come into the world clean. And then the world teaches us a different version of ourselves, and that's the ego. That's the fall of Lucifer. That's the fall out of the garden is removing the consciousness that we are God. And it's ego is the consciousness of you are not God. And then so you have to face that demon, that minotaur in the middle of the labyrinth and come to terms with that. The whole template of the hero's journey, that's the template of every story that you've ever read is about coming in having that catalytic moment that sets you on your journey, going into the labyrinth, discovering you are the problem because the conflict is the ego, nothing else. And then getting rid of it and then being set free and returning to the world and being a demonstration of that so that the pattern can continue. And, you know, that's it. And anyone who tells you otherwise, I would be wary. <laughs> I would be really wary what they're trying to sell you um, because this stuff is technically free. Um, we just, you know, and I, I mean, there was a time when I got caught up in like, oh, why do we have to learn this? And why do we have to go through this? And it's just part of the game. It's just part of God playing hide and seek with itself to, you know, I think this is more clearly laid out and more like, Buddha, uh, Buddhist and, and Hindu traditions of the awakening, the, the eternal dreamer having dreams of you, you know, uh, but that's, that's what it is. It's just God, universal mind, whatever you want to call it, whatever makes you feel comfortable because I don't get hung up on nouns, but that's what it is. You came into the world, you forgot yourself so you can rediscover yourself so that you can resurrect and prove to yourself that you are eternal and cannot die. So very nice. The the mindset of 2019 had kind of this white picket fence. I don't know if that's the right analogy, but we we might uh, we had kind of this collective consciousness, and it was the norm. And there wasn't any big waves in it. There wasn't big turmoil in it. Certainly, there's plenty of challenges. And then the karmic tsunami came through and tipped us all on our heads, thank God. And and now we can, uh, I, for myself, I, am, I feel so flippant happy that I'm living in the, these times. And I know it's a struggle and very, very painful for people. And I don't, I'm not discounting um, how difficult it can be for people, but we're looking at the mechanics of consciousness across the globe getting turned on its head. And that that's given us, we've all experienced insights to the human demeanor in the past year and a half that we're not even available to experience in perhaps all the time. And 
and what I'm getting at here is how do we um, um, create ourselves anew, break away from the collective narrative that we might have been living subconsciously in 2019? How do we anchor ourselves in the ability to create a whole new paradigm even though the the collective is in a huge squabble, uh, um, a lot of conflict and, and debate, how do we anchor our knowingness? So regardless of what the collective says, regardless of what the media says, regardless of what the, 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 the habitual fear that's existed in our collective narrative, how do we really kind of tangent out of that collective and anchor into ourselves a completely new paradigm that's more authentic, more genuine, more nurturing, more supportive of ourselves and eventually of the collective? Yeah. So I think on the technical side, like if you're asking the process, it's everything that we've talked about. It's the what are you meditating on? And what do you, you got to be diligent about it. But I think in terms of maybe the bigger thing about, because we are living in a time where everyone wants to change the world. I think, you know, learn those lessons. Like Gandhi said, it's like, don't change the world. Be the change you wish to see in the world. See, it's, it's all, it's all about inside. You know, I see it all the time. I see it a lot. I saw it in 2020 and I get it, you know, um, you know, because we think that change comes within, but you're just fighting shadows. You're just the world. The world is just you pushed out. And so you're just, you're boxing with shadows. It's, and you're just going to go around in the loop pattern, which is exactly what the fear energy wants, because then no progress will ever be made. And so, again, you have to go in within you to find that source of conflict and release it. Um and I know it doesn't make sense because it took me a long time. It's like, well, what does be the change mean? And sometimes we think you've got to be like perfect or you've got to do these things. Look at me, you know, I'm being the change. And that's just more ego crap. Um, to be the change means to really go in and find out where is that judgment? Why are you judging the world? Um, because we have this tendency to classify things as good or evil and what I've discovered in the Jewish text and, and the Christian text is that God is all things. I kill, I make alive, I wound, I heal. And, you know, I'm in all, above all, through all. And so why are we getting hot? You know, again, like Shakespeare, we're wrapped up in the illusions of good and evil when it's totality. And so I think the first thing that you need to do is to think that this is bad and evil and that you must do something. We don't need another Messiah. We don't need another martyr. We need actual change, and that comes from within. And that's redeeming yourself within, uh, redeeming the ego, unification between the ego and your true nature. A wholeness comes from within, not from without. And that's a little bit of a paradox. It's not the way the world would teach you, but that's the ultimate truth. And that's what Buddha teaches. That's what Jesus teaches. That's definitely what Gandhi teaches. And although I'm not, I haven't done a deep dive on Martin Luther King, that's what he's talking about. You have to unify yourself and then 
the world changes. It's all an inside job. And that means doing in order. That means looking at yourself in your mirror and being like, you're judging the external world when really it's just a reflection that you're judging something within yourself. And that should be a red flag and a good one that there's something that you need to examine in yourself that's being shown to you through the projection of the outside world that you need to go inside and find out what that is, where it stems from and redeem it. And then it's done. And then those experiences in your life go away. Um, And Whoopi Goldberg taught me something uh, really that I've carried with me for a long time, because we do have a tendency to look globally and we want to fix globally, but she's like, it's, we're so zoomed out. We actually need to zoom in because you have an impact bucket of water and that has a huge impact that ripples out. And so kind of going back to something that you said in the monologue, which is we're syncing up, we feed off each other's energy. And I couldn't help but think of Kristen Hume, who was, you know, the 17th century Dutch um, physicist and scientist who discovered synchronicity. If you're operating on the same vibration as everyone else, which even if you think that you're trying to change the world, you're still acting in judgment. And this is where Gandhi really teaches us. He didn't approach and he didn't free an entire country by engaging in the same thought process and same energy as the oppressor. Right. He came, he came from the exact opposite because then you don't react. And if you don't react, then you awaken within the other a consciousness. You shake them out of inequity because they expect you to respond in a certain way. And if you right. don't, that causes confusion and that confusion causes an awakening and that awakening causes a shift in consciousness and that shift in consciousness is what causes redemption and healing and unification of the entire world. Well, very nice. Well, we've, we've only got a few minutes left. I want to showcase you now. You've written the book, Unshakable Self-Confidence, A Clear Path to Confidence um, tell us about your book and your podcast and your magazine and anything else you want to share with our audience. Sure. Well, in terms of the book, I mean, I wrote that like three years ago and I wrote it authentically, but I'm not that same human being, but if you're someone who's at a beginning journey and you need to understand the concept that your thoughts create your reality and some basic concepts of discovering those patterns and how to leave them behind and how to, build new ones the book will definitely help you and it's it's it, i think it's only like nine dollars on amazon i don't even remember but um but you know honestly what i do less is i just sort of encourage people to sign up for the magazine which is at um unshakableselfconfidence.com backslash magazine because it's a free resource i don't sell products or anything like that and the magazine has we have four regular columnists and uh, besides myself and they're all sharing their journeys at different points in perspectives and from different uh, philosophical, uh, excuse me, philosophical points of view, um, you know, all different kinds of traditions and practices. And so that's a free resource, but that'll also get you on the emailing list for like when the show goes live and what kind of guests we have. And um, of course the YouTube content uh, where, you know, I do like videos about how to look at some of these things deeper and how do these practices and, 
what's the importance of gratitude and mindset and all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, that's sort of the one-stop shop. So, and of course, you know, the show, uh, which does live stream every Saturday morning at 10 a.m. Central Standard Time on YouTube and LinkedIn, and then goes live later that day on all podcast platforms, uh, including Apple and Spotify. So that's pretty much it. That's how you can find me because I'm not on social. I don't do socials. So, well, the the compassion you have for humanity, which is evident with all these platforms of support, is uh, quite palatable. I I very much I very much commend you for the the effort it takes to create these platforms. It's it it's a continuous, really <laughs> insatiable um, effort that it takes to sustain these over time. So a big kudos to you. Um, we're getting close to being out of time. Do you have any closing thoughts for our audience? I would say that if you actually want to make a difference in the world, just start with loving yourself and appreciating yourself and letting go of all those lies about yourself that you've been told that's just the first step right there so i encourage you to do it because it will totally transform the world by transforming yourself be the change very nice well billy i want to thank you for being our guest on the show tonight i have very much enjoyed this episode well, thanks again, Les. I mean, when you were on my show, we just we had an amazing conversation. So when you, like I said, when you invited me on your show, I was like, it, I didn't even hesitate. I was like, yep, I'm going to do that. So thank you so much uh, for the conversation tonight. So I appreciate it. We've been talking with Billy Atwell, and the topic tonight has been relaxing into the journey creates a happiness you seek. Um, um, Billy really speaks from his heart. He's he's uh, very authentic in his stance and his his perception. And I, I, for me, it's very self-evident that um, his passion and compassion are are going in the same direction. That's always a joy to watch. I want to thank you, the listener, for joining us tonight. And you know, for showing up for yourself, for showing up for yourself, because you've listened to an episode now, and that means you're interested in change. You're interested in perhaps a new narrative for yourself. My passion, my joy, my happiness is is helping people understand there's always there's always more to discover about yourself it's a never-ending story because you're basically you're a vehicle of love and then you load yourself up with everything but that and perhaps the journey back is healing your relationship with with love so again thank you for joining us tonight i'm your host les jensen Always a pleasure. Until next time, thanks for listening. This has been a New Human Living Radio broadcast. To bring your soul's inspiration into effect and live your life wide open. Check out our host, Les Jensen's book, Citizen King, The New Age of Power, at newhumanliving.com. Thanks for listening.